What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Fight HQ preview for UFC Vegas number 72, which goes down tomorrow inside the UFC Apex. Of course, I'm Jason Floyd. That is the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Good afternoon, Pete. How you doing, man? What's going on, brother? How's it? How's everything going? Uh, hope everybody else is doing well. Everything's good, man. Everything's good. I mean, I feel like it's it's like summertime here in Florida. I mean, I mean, I know we hit May on Monday, but yeah, it's it's pretty goddamn hot outside. <laughs> <laughs> Always jealous, but I mean, we, we've had some some pretty nice weather up here as well. So it's kind of like, you know, it, it's perfect spring weather, and usually we're still like fighting off the cold, but it, it's been pretty solid. So I have no complaints. Of course, uh, we got this fight card to break down for you here today. We'll break that down over the next hour. Not exactly the most exciting fight card on paper. We only have two ranked fighters in this entire fight card, and that is on the main event. We'll talk about that chalk fire of the week over on DraftKings. As uh, well, we all know who that chalk fighter is going to be over there. And of course, uh, you know we got our DraftKings contest going on right there, right here in the link. You can uh, join that contest. Ten dollar entry free entry fee top three people do pay out there and uh as always i was going to pull up uh, last week's contest to congratulate uh i should i should have done this before we actually started the show pete yeah um last week man it's just been a weird weird couple weeks i have to tell you it's like volatile everywhere so like the assessments fine past the victory are fine it's just people not going the best route and also just like super volatile things. I don't know. It's just, this is what ha- I'm so aggravated with the UFC's product right now. If I'm being, if I'm being honest, like it's just such low, like the, the low level fights that we're having to assess and break down and, and make a stand on. It's like you go back five years. <clears throat> I don't think we're having this problem, Jason. Like, I think you and I are talking about good quality cards. I'm not over here banging my head on, low-level heavyweights and, you know, signees that shouldn't be a part of the promotion. And it's like you feel much more comfortable with the picks and and your exposure levels. And it seems like the Wild West now. Like, it's like – it's so volatile. Yeah, congratulations to uh, from underscore Fresno, who took down the contest last week, scoring 558 points. His lineup was Sergey Pavlovich, Bruno Silva, Jeremiah Wells, Montel Jackson, Francis Marshall – Wow, got that one in a loss and still took down the contest. Wow. And uh, Brady, he stand. So uh, he had uh, three 7,000 fighters in his lineup last week. Yeah, and that it was crazy, right? Like, you know, Brady, he stand had to overcome a ton of adversity, and it looked really bad really early. Like, the Nabakari looked really good, and then the wheels fell off. And that's, you know, somebody who's a grinder, who's tough, able to survive. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, the Montel Jackson waiting for the perfect – opportunity to to piece up honey yaya with that step back left hand was was pretty pretty beautiful yeah my team sucked yeah oh yeah i didn't even know i didn't even know what lineup i had so <laughs> i didn't even get 300 points yeah oh yeah you had the horrible i think i probably was right there with you so I uh, you much. you beat me by about 50 points yeah yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't help when you have Bobby Green in your lineup, Matthew Schmelzberg in your lineup, a, a Junior Toffa, Francis Marshall. Yeah, it, I mean, I had Christos Jagos, I had Bruno Silva, so I hit two of the underdogs, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but think about it like, so the Dana Bakary one, right, like it looked like a KO was happening. So everything that we said looked great. Um, ultimately, that didn't happen. 
Matt Samuelsberger dropped Jeremiah Wells numerous times, and then it looked like it looked like the fight was going to be over very, very shortly. Multiple knockdowns, ones that weren't even really counted on fight metric. Um, and then they just could not stop the takedown. And then it came down to, you know, how you score the rounds. The 30-27 kind of blew my mind when he, you know, knocked down Wells multiple times in one round. Um, but, I mean, he literally laid on his back. Wells was in his guard and was controlled for three and a half minutes. So, of course, they're going to give him the round. That makes sense. But. It's it was just weird. It was so weird. I want to forget about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. So uh, on my podcast on Sunday, I have Zach Cummings on. We actually recorded the interview yesterday, and he has his own promotion. And I thought it was it was crazy. He mentioned this to me in the so he does shows. So he's there in Kansas City. So he does shows in Kansas and Missouri. And in Missouri, you're, this is going to blow your mind, Pete. If you are a judge, you could not have any affiliation with any gym. In the state of Missouri. Yeah, well, that a makes no damn sense. I, 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 the when reason he told it doesn't me. make sense is these judges and, and referees and officials need to be educated. So if you're from Missouri, you need to be involved in in martial arts and mixed martial arts and all that stuff. But I understand to a point because of the favoritism. But you're not always going to outsource it to neighboring states. So like to me, they, they they're kind of shooting themselves in their foot by doing so. It blew my mind when he said that to me, and it made me think about the Texas situation a couple weeks ago yep. there in Fury FC, where it's like, does this guy just not understand jujitsu? Does he not understand what it's like to be in those holds? And so when he told me that, I, I just I was I was baffled by that. But I know everyone is here to, to hear us talk about UFC Vegas seventy two. <laughs> don't, don't get us going, Jason and I are hot today, so don't get us going. We'll, we'll, we'll sit here for like three hours just complaining about officials. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll complain about everything. What's wrong with MMA, the UFC, what needs to be changed, and goodness gracious. Clearly, this this fight night card is uh, – watch this be my best card yet because I tell you what. I, I have to tell you I have some, like, really bad feeling about a lot of these fights, but overall good assessment. So I can't wait to break it down with you, Jason, I guess. Um, but at least we have a nice main event. Yeah, we're doing some fights in the UFC Apex. I mean, look, look. if you just looked at this card and you had no idea where this fight card was at, you'd be like, yep, that's an Apex card. Yeah, it's horrendous. Yeah, I, I, I'll say this. Like the general, my, This is just, and we'll get down to each fight. My general thoughts when I was looking at the salaries of, uh, well, I, was, I think yesterday, yesterday or two days before was the first day I looked at salaries. My first thought was, okay, Arosa Padilla, I think it's a fight that's going to be tough to avoid in terms of GPPs. Main event. Tough to avoid in terms of GPPs. We got some high-end options that I think have a high probability of winning in the first round via submission. You, I think you, you can figure out who those two guys are. Yeah, Josh Quinlan is a finisher. Got to be a guy that I think you got to target. We got two low-level UFC heavyweight matchups. Kind of scary to me. Always take low-level heavyweights. I mean, could end the first round or could be a, a boring 15-minute decision. Do you want to get to a 9,400 Stephanie Edgar? Uh, I think Charles Johnson, Cody Durden is it kind of an interesting fight in terms of GPPs. And then the chalk of the of the week is going to be Journey Newsom at 7,300. Of course, Marcus McGee stepping up here on short, uh, less than a couple days notice at, at 7,200. So, I mean, that's going to be the fight that everyone's going to go after. And, and you made a great point. Like, if you're already looking at how you construct rosters this week, if you want to get completely different from the field, just take out the main event and take out Jerry Newsom and Marcus McGee, and you're going to be able to get very different. 
Yeah, you're going to get really different. I, I don't know if it's going to set you up for success. I mean, I, I want to see what the ownership's going to be before I start to make some lineups like that. Um, but, like, you're going to have a favored fighter at, at a broken price tag at 7,300. So you're going to have probably a minus 180, minus 200 Journey Newson sitting there over Marcus McGee and Marcus McGee stepping up on short notice from the MMA lab. So both of those guys, 7,300, 7,200, somebody's going to win unless a foul occurs, which, oh, goodness, imagine now. Uh, but somebody's going to win at that, <laughs> at, at that price tag. So they're going to allow for a ton of roster flexibility. At the end of the day, though, we would like to get 100 points from each fighter within our lineups. Um, that is the goal. So if for some reason Journey Newsom and Marcus McGee is a an absolute stinker, it's just a back-and-forth striking matchup, not the most significant strikes, kind of a staring contest, low-volume affair. Say they don't break. It's t- even tough. And even 70 points at that price tag. It just seems like it's a mm-hmm. – you, you need a lot of other things to go your way. So I, I think it's an absolute must-have. Um, and then the, the main event, the five rounds surrounding one of the best takedown artists in Ricky Simone against one of the most power punchers within a division in Song Yudong. So those two fights are going to be a part of almost all of my lineups. But I would love it if I kind of got different and away from both of them. It's just there's there's still only 11 fights. And, and you have a free square here at 7,300, 7,200. So it's going to be very tough to avoid. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, and you know I love to play cash, uh, I, I – I don't know how you avoid McGee and Newsom and Cash. I, I just don't know how you do yeah. it. I understand the thought process. You know, in terms of, you know, once we kind of see what projection ownership projections are on that fight, that's going to kind of lead me to where exactly I'm going to go there. But, of course, if you do have any questions, we'll get those all the questions we'll answer at the end of the show. Let's get right into breaking down the fights, of course, to get the main event. Ricky Simone and Song Yudong. Ricky Simone, a minus 125 betting favorite, plus 105 for Song Yudong, 8400 for Simone on DK, $20 on FanDuel, and Song Yudong is 7800 on DK, $17 on FanDuel. And, you know, look, I've, I give kudos to both these guys for moving this fight back a week and also making this a five-round matchup. Now, look, they do get more money in terms of doing that, Pete. But, you know, one of the things to me as I was looking at this fight, Pete, was A, going from a three-round to a five-round, who do I believe that benefits? From a fantasy upside, I can make the case both sides. If this was a three-round fight, I'd probably favor Ricky Simone more in a three-round fight than a five-round fight. But, like, I started to kind of go down the song, you dog, how many times has he been taken down? He was taken down once by Corey Sanhagen in their, their matchup there. In his last matchup, uh, Casey Kenny took him down once. Kyra Philbin took him down three times. Cheeto Vera took him down two times. Cody Stamen took him down five times. So that that to me is where obviously Ricky and over at Prize Picks, the takedown prop is at four and a half. When I saw that, I was like, oof. I don't know. Not a go to play for me on Prize Picks. If I was going to play anything, I'm. God, I'd hate. To, I'd probably go less just because him trying to. I, I need five takedowns to go more. Yeah, so it's very interesting, and I have to tell you that I'm going to be very transparent. This week, I, I know how a lot of these fighters can win their fights, their paths to victory. I have a very hard time this week planting a flag and telling you which person's going to do so. So bear with me this week. Um, I do think Ricky Simone presents some of the best takedown upside within the, within the bantamweight division. I don't like how he's fallen in love with his hands to a point, which could lead to another uh, KO defeat. Um, we did see Uriah Faber catch him cold 
uh, back in 2019. I think he's a much better fighter now in 2023 than he was. We did see Rob Font get taken down six times, but ultimately get back up and out-volume him to a decision victory. So, um, you know, despite having takedown success, Ricky Simone did, he still got beat up on the feet. And, um, you know, even going back and looking at some other fights, it was a long time ago, back in 2018, but Marab Dalashvili was able to knock him down as well. That's just Marab's recklessness. This all comes down to the power of Song Yudong. I think that Song Yudong's clearly a fantastic striker. Um, he's an ever-improving grappler and wrestler. In his free time, I love what he's doing, Jason. It's like what I make my guys do. He's competing in freestyle and folk-style wrestling tournaments because he knows, his coaches know, that that is what's going to be the next step in the, in his development. Um, you did see Corey Sanhagen, who can land takedowns, you know, here and there and mix things up. He went one of 14. So, you know, being unsuccessful in 13 out of the 14 attempts is really interesting. Casey Kenny going one of five, who's a very strong wrestler in his own right. Like, I, I do think that, you know, we have seen Song Yudong get better in the wrestling department. Um, it was back in 2020. Uh, 2021 in March against Kyler Phillips, where Phillips went three of five in the takedown department. And uh, I don't know, man. I Ricky Simone is my guy. I love Ricky Simone. And I wish this fight wasn't happening because I feel like he's winning the fight, maybe getting, you know, Song Yudong against the cage. He has great power. But I feel like he gets chinned at some point throughout this 25 minutes. And I hope I'm wrong. Because I'm a huge Ricky Simone fan. Like, if you were to tell me who are, you know, who are some of your favorite fighters in the UFC, Ricky Simone is a you know a top of that list. Like, I, I really like him a lot, and uh, it's hard for me when I do the picks. I'm going to be picking Ricky Simone just because I want to root for my guy. But I, I really think that Song Yudong, from what I've seen in that wrestling tournament, man, like he scrambles fantastic. He's nasty. So I think I'm going to be leaning with Song Yudong to win via KO at 7,800. And it really pains me to say, but all in all, I'll be making a group on Fantasy Cruncher and I'll be getting to probably 50-50 just because I can't make up my damn mind. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be hard to avoid this fight. When you talk about that Song Yudong wins via TKO KO plus 175, um, I mean, I, I I don't expect him to win by submission. That's plus 1,000. I mean, inside yeah, no. distance plus 175. And uh, if you want Ricky Simone, I think the likely scenario is he wins via decision plus 200 over there. Uh, but uh, it's to me, it's just a hard fight to avoid just because of, A, the price point in terms of this and, you know, look, and you brought this point right before you showed me. Like, who's your most confident pick on this card? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a, one of those weeks, Jason, where it's just I can't. I think it's going to be uh, Kyle uh, Bohalio. I think that's who I'm going to say is my most confident play. But what I always tell you, Jason, I hate 25-minute fights. I'm probably in the absolute minority. I hate 25-minute fights. And the reason I do is because MMA – is hard enough for 15 minutes, never mind 25 minutes. It's so hard to be perfect for 25 minutes. And I think Ricky Simone has to be perfect for 25 minutes to not get chinned by Song Yudong. One right hand, I think, can stagger him and, and put his lights out. So I'm going to be going with Song Yudong. And I, I, against my own judgment, I, I think that he pulls it off.
Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in to Fight HQ. If you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up button. That really does help the algorithm a lot as well. Of course, uh, you can join our free Discord channel, which is always a great conversation in there. I know we got some questions already in there for the show. We'll get to those towards the end of the show. You already mentioned uh, about the co-main event, Kyle and Ola Shayshuk. Kyle, a minus 370 betting favor, plus 295 for Ola Shayshuk. Over on DK, Kyle is 9,523 on FanDuel. And the Ola Shayshuk, 6,700 on DK. Eight dollars on Fanduel, Pete. Like, I, I don't think this is a really hard fight to really break down. Like, if you tell me this fight hits the mat, I know who's winning. You tell me someone's getting knocked out on, in in the feet in a boxing matchup. I think there's value on the underdog here. Yeah, I, I don't think that Mihal Olashechuk's going to win any other way than by knockout, in my opinion. So, if you're going to play him from a betting standpoint, you might as well just take Mihal Olashechuk to win via KO TKO which sits at plus 650. So uh, Jason brought that up to me prior to the show, and I think that's that's his only path to victory because Kyle Bohalio is a fantastic striker, more of a karate guy who likes to be evasive and throw counter shots, but he's a fantastic jiu-jitsu practitioner and understudy of Damian Maya, um, very dominant with his control, as we've seen in his UFC tenure so far against Gaji Origajiev. Um you know, that, that was a great performance where he, he had a, a decent amount of control time, 10 minutes of control time, followed it up with 10 minutes of control time against Armin Petrosian, went four or five in the takedown department, um, had 10 minutes in that one as well. Five minutes of control time against Mahmoud Muradov with one takedown. The issue is he hasn't found that finish yet. And primarily known as a finisher outside the UFC, Kyle Bohalio is my guy. Uh, you guys know I like him a lot. I think that certain styles will make certain fighters overperform and or, or they have no choice. You're either going to melt under the pressure of Mihal Olashechuk or you're going to counter that pressure by, you know, colliding forces with a counter shot down the middle en route to a fast KO TKO or you are going to go and get a takedowns immediately and you know, tons of them. Like you can go back and look at Mihal Olashechuk against Jimmy Crute. And Jimmy Crute actually in round one pulled off a victory via submission with a Kimura, but landed eight takedowns prior. So that is fantastic to me. I see that and I'm like, okay. And he was also submitted against OSP, one of the most low volume guys out there in the second round due to a Von Flu. So I think the pressure of Mihal Olashechuk is going to make Kyle Bohalio overperform DFS wise um, because I don't think that it's just going to be another control oriented performance. If he has another control, you know, cage control, no submission, 9,500. I don't think he does it. I think it's going to be multiple takedowns or a knockdown in route to a quick round one finish. Um, yeah. So I'm paying up this week for Kyle. Uh, I'm not making the mistake. I, I just like him. I like his prospect within the division. By the way, before we, I give kind of my thoughts on this one, just thought I'd mention, you know, you said we were, we had 11 fights, right? Oh, well, what happened now? We've already had two fighters miss weight. Arene missed weight by four. Arene missed weight by four pounds for her matchup against uh, Stephanie Yeager. And okay. Haley Cowan has also missed weight by a pound and a half. I'm going to get to that. And I'm so happy. Well, I'm not happy that happened. She's had three camps back to back yeah. to back. That's three weight cuts back to back to back. There's 0% chance that I was backing her today because like it's a low level women's MMA fight, but people don't understand how hard it is to go through a weight cut. Never mind 
three of them. And in one of them, she had suffered an illness as well. So, like, we'll get to that. But I'm – you think we'll have, we'll have you know, catch weight bouts or are they going to get scrapped? Kind of too tough to know, right? Well, I mean, we a fire misses weight by four pounds. That's more on the commission aspect of that, and that's probably going to be yeah. come down to a doctor to say whether or not they would clear them for a fight. You miss weight by one and a half. That that's just to me. That's more of that's a. Are we are you medically going to get cleared for the fight? And yeah. B, you know, what, what's the percentage of the purse you're going to give up in, in terms of your opponent? But like, in, right, we want Jason Floyd in our corner because I already know Jason's Jason's going to be hitting them hard for that percentage. We we, like we you, all you, hey bro we get happy when it's like fifteen percent. Jason's like we're starting we're starting higher than that. It depends on how you know. Look, look, I'm just saying this. Like, if Pete's got to fight, his fire misses weight. Let's just say a guy misses weight by four pounds. I mean, negotiations start at like forty percent. Oh, I love you, Jason. That's fantastic. <laughs> Put that I mean, money in our pocket, brother. Put I mean, that, that that's where we can work our way down. But we're shooting for the stars right from the start. Well, yeah. If you miss weight by five or more pounds, oh, we we have fifty percent. Oh, and never mind if it's in my backyard. You know, we got all the leverage in the world. So, <laughs> uh, but that's like at the apex, nobody has any leverage. So you kind of at the no. UFC's disposal. No, very much so. But I mean, look, Kyle. I mean, look. I, to me, it's more of, and I got to him in my cash game lineup. But it's, I feel like if you're gonna get that ninety five hundred, that probably means you're pairing him up with Jordan Newsom. I mean that that to me is, is kind of where it, it, it's at there. Uh, next up, we got Rodolfo Vieira taking on Cody Brundage. Rodolfo Vieira a minus two forty betting favorite, plus two hundred for Cody Brundage. Over on DraftKings, Vieira is ninety one hundred on Fanduel is twenty two dollars. Cody Brundage seventy one hundred and nine dollars on Fanduel. Pizza, another one, not really a hard fight to break down. Yeah, no, I mean I think Cody Brundage needs to just keep the fight on the feet. Uh, clearly he does not want to go to the mat with Hadolfo Vieira, one of the best sum- submission practitioners out there. We did see Hadolfo Vieira tire against Anthony Fluffy Hernandez um, en route to getting subbed. But I do think that Anthony Hernandez's pace is just like a relentless pace that can break tons of opponents. Um, we did see Hadolfo Vieira, you know, struggle in that sense and get put in, in a front headlock situation and then get submitted when he was almost a minus 500 favorites. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's tough to say you trust Rodolfo Vieira, but I trust the skill set that is within Rodolfo Vieira. I do think that going the distance with a a striker and Chris Curtis, who a lot of people are very high on all the time, saying how he's always going to land the counter shot and always going to knock people out. I really didn't think Rodolfo Vieira looked bad in that performance at all. If I had to put one negative on that performance is that he he was – um, very inefficient. He was zero for 20 in the takedown department against Chris Curtis and Chris Curtis early on in the regional career struggled in the takedown defense department, but has really developed that part of his game all the years at extreme couture. I will say in this matchup, like outside of physicality, Cody Brundage being a big guy landing a big right hand. I don't see how he wins this fight. If I'm being honest, I think he needs to hope that that Hodolfo Vieira gasses because it's pretty proven that Hodolfo can go 15 minutes now. He did so get with, uh, against Chris Curtis. Um, but anytime that you are attempting takedowns and, and being unsuccessful, you're more likely to, to gas out. But that wasn't the case against Chris Curtis. So I think that Hodolfo Vieira gets back on, you know, gets back on a win streak here. Um, I don't hate a Brundage dart throw 7,100 play, but, uh, I think Hodolfo Vieira winning via submission is a, 
pretty good bet. Um, the only thing is that Cody Brundage to this point, uh, more of a uh, chinny, not not a chinny, but more susceptible to get finished via strikes than submissions. So, but it's Rodolfo Vieira. So Rodolfo Vieira to win via submission sits at minus one twenty. Man, I wish these jujitsu guys would use their jujitsu to get into a very good position and uh, utilize ground and pound because that TKO prop for Vieira sits at plus five hundred. Just soften them up with some punches, mm-hmm. man. And, you know, like if Naaman Gracie did that more uh, over in Bellator, I think that he'd be even more successful. Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I, Cody's a guy I've, I've had a chance to talk to yeah. since he was an amateur fighter. So, you know, I, I would love to see him go out there and win. I just think this is a bad matchup for him. I really do. I just – I would – you got to imagine that Vier just takes him down, submits him, and, yeah, that prop bet of him winning via submission – is a uh, minus 120 but uh you know the tko tko prop plus 500 um uh and cody i mean i mean look if cody wins this to me i think it, it's it's a late third round finish where Vieira we we see some of those chi- those gas issues that we've seen in the past yeah i mean like and when anybody's tired and you're attempting tons of takedowns um if you can pummel and then reverse position against the cage they can be a sitting duck there for elbows and knees. And it just, it just takes one elbow or knee to, to really, uh, you know, prove to be the difference maker in a fight. So it's hard to project that. I'm not going to project that to happen. So I, I'm going to say Rodolfo Vieira wins via submission. Next up, we got a matchup that I think is something we have to uh, really think about in terms of our GPP lines. That'll be Juicy J taking on Fernando Padilla. Juicy J minus one fifty betting favorite, plus one thirty four Padilla. Uh, Arosa eighty eight hundred on DK, sixteen dollars on Fa- the Fanduel pricing on this one. I think is off, is off big time on Fanduel. I don't know how you avoid this fight. Uh, Padilla seventy four hundred on DK, fourteen dollars over on Fanduel. Pete, what's your thoughts? My thoughts are this is going to be a stand up war. I, I think that Fernando Padilla is pretty big for the division, and I also think that Julian Arosa is pretty big for the division. So um, they're, they're both going to be hitting each other with some long straight punches, uh, elongated wraparound hooks. You know, I, I think that to this point it's pretty clear, and I've always said this, and I know that you like Juicy J a lot and you, and you love getting to him because he's always a uh, an upside play. And he's counted out more often than not, but he brings it, man. Sometimes that that durability is there, and then sometimes it's not. I can't really fault him because he ate a complete head kick against Alex Caceres. Um, but if you go back and you really just dive into his record, right, he's been around for a long time. So the, the more wars you're in, the more miles on your body, the more likely you're going to be knocked down in fights. But this is absolutely ridiculous, okay? And tell me if I'm alone on this island. Arosa against Ishihara, knocked down one time. Arosa, Jamal Emers, knocked down one time. Knocked down against Devontae Smith, against Julio Arce, against Sean Woodson, against Sungwoo Choi, against Charles Jourdain, against Alex Caceres. My goodness, Jason, that is a lot of damage on your body. That is a ridiculous amount of damage because – you know, you know that fight metric. They they're pretty. It, they're very picky with what they call a knockdown. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know when you go back and you watch this tape, but he's getting chinned, and he does a good job of getting back into the fight. But he there's a susceptibility to getting knocked down and cracked. And I do think that Fernando Padilla, for being a prolific finisher, he's younger, has been absent from the cage for some time. This is a tough debut. Like they're not doing Padilla any favors. I wish they were because I think that he is pretty solid. This is a typical welcome to the UFC kid. 
Um, you know, are you at the UFC level? You know, Arosa is a, a very solid gatekeeper. How far has he fallen? Has this damn – he was out bad against against Caceres. So it's like, I don't know. That was back in December. It's April. To me, I wish he was taking lo- a longer layoff. So with all that being said, I know there's a ton of fights under Arosa's belt. I'm going to be going with the underdog here in Fernando Padilla at 7,400. But if Padilla doesn't finish him, I think that Arosa coasts to a high-volume decision as we've seen in the past, and still probably scores well. So I think this is a very, very good fight to target. Yeah, I want to say, unless something has changed, I was looking at his Instagram to maybe see if anything changed. Uh, Padilla and Arosa are both represented by the same agency. Very weird. Well, that agency also has like 100-plus UFC fighters, so it does yeah. happen. Yeah. But, I mean, look, it's it's – there's always going to be the issues with with the Rosa, no question about. It. That's why, to me, I think you know if you're playing multi entries, this is, has to be one of those fights that I think you have to target in terms of getting to both sides of the equation, just because of, of what we've seen with, with Juicy J. In terms of that, then we got a heavyweight matchup: Marcus Rogério de Lima taking on Waldo Cortez Acosta. By the way, if you uh, did not see the unprofessional breakdown by Sadiq Youssef this week, no, I missed it. Oh God, he he called he called Waldo Cortez Acosta the heavyweight version of Chris Curtis the way they look. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's it, if people are not checking that out, unbelievable. Uh, by the way, uh, someone just asked the fight to go to sit to decision. I'm guessing that was uh, asking about in terms of Orosa and Padilla. That is uh, plus one fifty. Fight goes to the decision. So maybe not necessarily a bad route to go there. But let's talk about uh, Cor- uh, Cortez Acosta and Rogério de Lima. De Lima a six hundred DK twenty one dollars on Fanduel. He's a minus one eighty betting favorite. Cortez Acosta is a plus one fifty five betting underdog. Seventy six hundred DK ten dollars on Fanduel. Yeah, so heavyweight MMA, low level heavyweight MMA at that, and uh, you know Rogério de Lima has gotten better. Um, he is nine and six in the UFC. Waldo Cortez Acosta's only two and zero, oh, and that's against Jared Vandera and Chase Sherman, two of the worst heavyweights in the division. Um, and I, I think that Marcos Rogério de Lima is actually a pretty solid heavyweight, but a volatile one. Uh, he used to be a guy that if he's going up against a high level wrestler or a good grappler, you have to be worried about him getting submitted. In the UFC, he's been submitted against Nikita Krylov, uh, Gaji Marad, uh, Intigalov, OSP, Stefan Struve, Romanov. Um, outside of that, like his game is is getting in your face, throwing monstrous combinations, uh, burying hard leg kicks, and I do think that the boxing stance and the boxing of Waldo Cortez Acosta can work for him. But we were expecting Chase Sherman to go to the leg kick well, and he. He did so a little bit, but not how he typically does. Um, and I do think that somebody who hits as hard as Rogério de Lima with really, really good Muay Thai out of uh, American Top Team, um, you know he has solid jiu-jitsu, um, even though he's susceptible defensively. Um, and I do think that he has the Muay Thai advantage. The issue with him is always gassing out. But going the distance with Bogoy Ivanov, throwing 133 significant strikes in a close fight. Blagoy is very tough despite being old um, and not really looking to, you know, to be the most physically imposing. Like it's heavyweight MMA. Sometimes like certain weeks, I just, I increase my exposure to heavyweight MMA underdogs, uh, women's MMA underdogs, 
and the underdogs in the main event and co-main event. And that's kind of like a very, very uh, cut and dry approach of how you can get different, but also target the correct volatility. I do feel like I like Rogerio de Lima here. Um, you know, Cortez Acosta is a little crisp down the middle, so I worried about a counter shot. But the the leg kicks of Rogerio de Lima, um, there is submission upside. There's also KO upside. You know, tons of first round finishes. I'm gonna be going with Rogerio de Lima. I, I hope that he doesn't make me look silly here. You know, kind of planting a flag on a heavyweight. I'm gonna get to Cortez Acosta because I can see if. Jogero de Lima does gas, he can win a decision. But outside of that, I, I think the the finishing upside clearly lies with Jogero de Lima at 8600. Yeah, I mean, it's just God, I, I hate I hate rostering low level UFC heavyweight fights. I just hate it. it scares the crap out I, of me. I hate it too. Yeah, let's move over. Next up, we got a matchup that uh, is definitely got my eyes. That's Josh Quinlan taking on Trey Waters. Trey Waters stepping up here in less than a week's notice to take this matchup. He is a plus 150 betting underdog, one, minus 175 for Josh Quinlan. Quinlan, 8,500 on DK, 19 on Fandle, and Trey Waters is 7,700 on DK and 11 on Fandle. Yeah, so, I mean, I like this fight. I wish that Waters had a full camp. Um, I like the fight from a, a striker's paradise type of thing where Josh Quinlan throws decent volume. Um, but has the the power advantage clearly, whereas Trey Waters has the finesse advantage. Um, Waters keeps his hands somewhat low, uh, moves his head a lot, uh, throws counter shots over the top, um, can get hurt to the body, can get hurt to the head, uh, susceptible to submissions. You know, he's been active, and, and being in the cage recently is great, but also if you take a little bit of damage, you know, are you coming into this fight on short notice healthy, or is it just an opportunity? Um, standing at 6'5", having a 5-inch reach advantage, can totally pro, uh, pose problems for Josh Quinlan. What I see and how I see this fight going is I, I can see Trey Waters winning the early stages of this fight, hitting the longer punches against Josh Quinlan, Quinlan having to make some adjustments, whether it's incorporating takedowns and, and looking to, you know, to try to submit Trey Waters. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be look to get closer to him land a power shot within your range. And uh, then I think Quinlan's ultimately going to get the finish. But as far as DFS, like when you're that tall at with a 77 inch reach, like Trey waters with the correct game plan and with the correct coaching staff at welterweight can stay on the outside and stick and move and win a decision at 7,700 and pay off that price tag. No problem at all. But I really do like Josh Quinlan's finishing upside the one issue that he's had throughout his regional career, and a lot of people thought it was going to uh, show itself against Jason Witt, is the takedown defense. And I think this is a tailor-made striker's paradise matchup for him. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time he lands that big shot against a guy who isn't the most um, isn't the most defensively responsible fighter in Trey Waters. Yeah, this is one of those matchups I'm kind of targeting more on the, on the Josh Quinlan side. You know, when I'm looking at that 87 to 8,000 range and trying to find some um, fighters in that range. Next up, we got another heavyweight matchup. We got Martin Boudet taking on Jake Collier. This is a straight up pick em fight, minus 110 on both sides of the equation. Uh, Martin Boudet, 8,000 8, on DK, 15 on Fandle. Jake Collier, 8,200 on DK, $15 on Fandle. Pete, what's your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts. What are my thoughts? Uh, my thoughts, I, I hate this fight. Um, I, I like Jay Collier. I like Jay Collier a lot. Jay Collier let me down against uh, Chris Barnett. He really did. 
Um, he looked good early. Looked really good early. Um, he can get takedowns. He can put pressure on you. He can get, hit you with tons of combinations. He gassed out. And then when he was underneath Chris Barnett, Chris Barnett was teeing off. And that's why that was a perfect example of the volatility surrounding heavyweight MMA. When I saw that and I saw how how he he let me down, so I, I am a little upset about that. But also just like, you know, he wilted to the pressure. Clearly, Barnett was hitting with some big shots. But I thought that this middleweight type of style for the heavyweight division is going to separate himself. And he he went out there like a heavyweight and, and gassed out early. Um, and then he had those big boy, that big boy, Chris Barnett, just throwing hammers down. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that he can have that middleweight style with distance in space and, and stick and move and, and hit Martin Boudet from the outside. No problem at all. But I think there's a matter of time before big boy, Martin Boudet puts him against the cage, you know, basically leans on him as he does every fight, dirty boxes him, um, you know, doesn't really attempt takedowns at all, which is, you know, as a big guy, every big guy should be looking to just literally get on top mm-hmm. of their opponent just because it's so difficult for big guys to get out from underneath them. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the the cage control and just kind of leaning on Collier is going to result in a Martin Boudet decision. Uh, I think this is going to be a sloppy, sloppy fight. But I would love to see Collier come back and, and win um, after – really looking bad against Chris Barnett in round two. So I think Boudet pulls it off at 8,000, but I might pass on this fight if I'm being honest. I think it's going to be very sloppy. Collier's doing fine on the outside, and then Boudet kind of, you know, alters his strategy and then wins two rounds of him. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that sticks out to you about Jake Collier, you have to go back a couple of fights at this point, but you know, you look at the fight against John Vellante, lands 123 strikes. Against the Carlos Felipe, which was a loss, landed 130 strikes. Uh, landed 93 uh, against uh, Andre Arlovsky, you know, split decision, which will... You know, we know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, you know, so that that's the thing that you would stick out to me. But yeah, I'm kind of like you. I think going somewhere a little bit different. Uh, a fight that uh, I do want to get on a side on this one, and that's the flyweight matchup between Charles Johnson and Cody Durden. Charles Johnson a minus one forty betting favor. Cody Durden plus one twenty. Uh, Johnson a seven hundred DK sixteen dollars on Fanduel. Durden seventy five hundred on DK thirteen dollars on Fanduel. Pete, this is my biggest concern. Charles Johnson, uh, apparently he's the flyweight version of Donald Strong at this point because he's just fight whenever they give him a chance. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I don't, especially in the media when you're, you know, you're being very vocal and complaining about how I shouldn't say complaining, but talking about how unhealthy you were leading up to your last fight. So where's the level of trust? I don't really have a lot of trust that he's fully healthy from fight to fight. Um, he's going paycheck to paycheck. No problem at all. He's having close bouts. Absolutely. The Ode Osborne one was a split decision, but like a lot of the times Charles Johnson is reacting rather than performing. And, uh, we did see him perform against Jimmy flick, but against, you know, in his debut, you can't fault him against Mikhaev. He was reacting to the 55 takedowns and all that. And was just kind of, you know, succumbing to the pressure of Makayev against Zaga Shemagalov, like he he's such he waits so much and then he goes rather than dictating the pace and the pressure. He won that via split, but a lot of people, you know, were a little indifferent on that on that decision. Uh, Ode Osborne only threw 127 significant strikes, did get taken down as well. 
Um, and then when you have somebody getting taken down, going up against Cody Durden, it's like, that's awesome. Ode, Ode Osborne went three of 10 in the takedown department. I think Ode has solid wrestling, but Cody Durden, Durden clearly has better wrestling than that. Mm-hmm. Collegiate wrestler uh, out of American top team. Um, I don't think Durden's all that good, if I'm being honest. But at least you know he's going to be active, and at least you know he's going to push a pace. So yes, he's volatile at times. Sometimes he'll he'll run into finishes via you know guillotine against the fast you know Makayev uh, got subbed against Jimmy Flick even a, even after landing two takedowns. So you know like submission wise, defensively he's not the best. Um, but like and he's been he was knocked down against Makayev well technically because of that knee. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a weird fight for me. It, it really is. I don't mind the value play of Cody Durden at seventy five hundred, but I kind of feel like he gets takedowns for one good round. Then that cardio starts mm-hmm. to, you know, he starts to get a little zapped, and then you see Charles Johnson Johnson start to pick away at the outside and and get the decision victory. So um, I'll be getting to Durden plenty. Charles Johnson is a guy that I'm not really. I'm not in love with the 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 price. I wish he was a little cheaper. Eighty seven hundred. Does he pay off more often than not for that division? I say no. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I don't mind getting Durden because of the price point and the takedown upside. But like you said there, I just, I just think in terms of the abilities, I've just never been big on Cody Durden. You know, I just. Yeah, same. I've just never been big on big on him at that point. By the way, we uh, have 20 minutes left in the weigh-in time, and Cody Brunage is the only fighter that has not stepped to the scale. Uh, one of the fighters that did step to the scale was Arena. She missed weight by four pounds. Have not seen whether or uh, not that fight's going to go forward. She's a plus 240 betting underdog against Edgar. She's minus 300, 9,400 for Stephanie on DK, $22 on FanDuel. And then Arena is 6,800 on DK, $9 on FanDuel. Uh, you missed weight by four pounds, Pete. That's a, that's a big concern to me. Buddy, I'm looking at her right now, and she does not look good. She looks – I don't know what the hell's up with her. She's like zombie – I don't know. She – it's a weird, weird fight, right? And it's a weird signing to begin with. And I don't think that it's a gr- good sign when you miss weight on your debut. Um, Stephanie Egger is a talented judo practitioner, but uh, her opponent, Arena Alexeva, is a judo practitioner as well. So – I want to see how, like, who's going to have the upper hand. Clearly, submission-wise, I favor Edgar. Um, I favor her. A, I favor her record and her resume. She's shown that she can pick up KO TKOs as well against Shanna Young. Um, she can qu- pick up quick submissions. Uh, she did so against Aylin Perez and Jessica Rose Clark. I think Jessica Rose Clark is pretty solid. Um, but like this unknown Arena Alexeva, who is. Uh, coming off a, a decent layoff and just a random signing to the UFC. She might be the wild card on the entire fight card, and we'll have to see if this fight goes you know, goes on. But I don't mind taking some dart throws at mm-hmm. a relative unknown commodity. She throws wild, wild punches and wild striking. Perhaps the judo background of both of these fighters negates each other. And this turns into a striking matchup more than we're anticipating. In that case, I don't know if I could confidently say who wins. Um, but I, I do think that the the salary of Egger makes sense. The odds of Egger make sense. Um, but this is one of those fishy signings where I'm not really 
going to be completely sold. I'd much rather back a proven commodity in Kyle Bohalio um, against a fighter who I know and Mihal Olashechuk, mm-hmm. who he yeah. is, rather than this unknown Arena Alex Saber. We see it every week, right? These unknown fighters sometimes that you know are are, ta- are you know hard to find fight tape on, which I did find fight tape on. It was not impressive at all. Um, but there is room for development when you're coming off a long layoff. So it's an Egger pick still, but I'm going to sprinkle some Alex Ava just in case, but I, I don't even know if this fight's going to happen. Yeah. As I said earlier, when you miss weight by four pounds, it's, uh, unlikely, you know, it's 50, 50, whether fight happens, by the way, Cody Brunich has made weight at 185 and a half. So, uh, that one oh. is good to go. Then we got uh, the chalk fight of the slate. Of course, uh, this was supposed to be Brian Kelleher versus Journey Newsom. Brian Kelleher was pulled by the UFC over um, um, an injury uh, that Brian Kelleher came out and said that he was willing to fight through, and the UFC said, uh, no, not going to happen. So now Marcus McGee steps in is take on Jerry Newsom. Uh, Jerry Newsom, minus 190 betting favorite, plus 160 for Marcus McGee. Of course, the DK prices were already out, so Marcus M- McGee is 7,200. Jerry Newsom 7,300 over on FanDuel. Of course, totally different story on FanDuel. Jerry Newsom is $20 and $11 for McGee. Obviously, this is going to be the chocolate slate, Pete. Yeah, I mean, who cares who wins this fight, if I'm being honest? Just if you're playing 150 lineups, put half with Newsom, half with McGee, and just move on. Uh, they're both – they're ultimately the same the same salary, 7300 for Newsom, 7200 for McGee. Um, you know, there is some unknown about McGee coming into this fight, but for the most part, it's a fighter that has been talked up highly – a part of the MMA lab. I believe in that camp. I know that camp keeps everybody ready for opportunities like this. I know that they, they train really, really hard. You and I were talking about this prior to the show where it's that old school type of grind, which I like because that means that people are prepared heading into short notice opportunities. Um, not one of these camps where you see guys come in only for fights. Uh, we, we've seen Marcus McGee perform pretty admirably admirably when it's on the feet he has struggled when he's been taken down and he's susceptible to getting t- getting submitted journey Newsom is a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt recently promoted within the past year or two um very good on the mat but this is a guy who's fallen in love with his hands doesn't go that route so yes he's a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt but perhaps he struggles in the wrestling department and has no confidence in getting the fight to the ground uh, in the UFC, he was taken down a lot against Sergey Morozov, so he wasn't able to go, you know, to you know, be offensive with his own takedowns. Attempted two was unsuccessful against Fernie Garcia. Pretty similar matchup, right? Against Marcus McGee, he attempted three, landed only two, and then another fight in the UFC. The only other fight that he attempted a takedown was one time against Ricardo Hamos, who is a pretty talented Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner and Muay Thai fighter as well. So. Like, there's a clear path to victory for Newsom. Don't stand with this kid, Marcus McGee, because he switches stances so well. He throws great combinations. If he gets you back, gets your back against the cage, he will unload with a relentless barrage of hooks, and he can actually knock out Journey Newsom. It's not a good look that Newsom ha- was KO'd by, you know, uh, Randy Costa via, via head kick. That was a beautiful head kick. Um, but, like, yes, Newsom's fought some. Some solid competition, but very low level, 
in the UFC. Morozov, Garcia, Costa, Pilarte, Ricardo Hamos, and Morozov are pretty solid. But with all that being said, I have a feeling Marcus McGee comes in here and he catches Journey Newsom when he's thrown one of those horrible kicks. He tries to be this beautiful karate fighter and he's just you know incapable of doing so. Uh, he needs to throw hands into takedowns. And I think that Marcus McGee catches Journey Newsom when he's attempting a spin and hook kick for the 12th time. And uh, if you want to get to know Marcus McGee, if you're over on our Discord channel, I'll put the links to two interviews that I've done with Marcus McGee in the past. Did one in 2021 and did one at the end of November last year. He's a guy, as Pete mentioned, guy out of the lab. So if you want to kind of get to know uh, who he is and uh, as a fighter and everything else, check out those interviews. Uh, I'll put those links right there in the Discord channel. Uh, we'll give you a little notes here. Uh, the Edgar and Arena fight is going to proceed. It will be a catch weight. And... Um, Stephanie Yeager's team's got to do a better job than 30%. I'm sorry. You got to do a better job yeah. than 30% when you, your, your fire misses weight by four pounds. I mean, come on. Come on. You yeah, got to get, get more than 30%. Come on. That's crazy. Um, and apparently the matchup uh, with uh, Haley Cowan and Jamie Lee Horth is going to continue as well. Um, okay. So I just haven't heard what the fine is going to be there. Of course, that is the only other fight we got to break down here. Uh, Jamie Lynn is a minus 155 betting fair. Haley plus 130. Uh, Haley 7,900 on DK, $12 on FanDuel. Jamie Lynn, she's 8,300 on DK, $18 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, so final fight of the, the, the breakdown, first fight of the night complete volatility in this one and before i break it down just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning into fight hq each week jason and i break it down the fight card for ufc sometimes bellator um and and sometimes for pfl but make sure you guys subscribe to the channel we really appreciate it our goal is to get to a thousand subscribers for this video i slacked on our last video i'd like to get over a hundred likes that'd be really really appreciated um, as far as this fight between jamie lynn horth and Haley cowan i'm going to just piggyback off of what i said earlier I don't like the fight. I don't like the fact that Haley Cowan is now having her third weight cut in two months, three months. That's a lot. That, that, that is a lot, especially when she's a pretty physical fighter. Um, and then she was, she, you know, developed an illness throughout the camp or from the weight cut itself. So to me, it sounds like she doesn't necessarily know how to cut weight, if I'm being honest, or she's at the wrong weight class. Um, I, I think that Haley Cowan, is always going to be pretty physical. She's a very strong athlete, comes from a, a, uh, a gymnast and just a complete freak of nature type of background. Um, kind of, you know how like uh, Holly Holm is really physical? This seems like a knockoff Holly Holm, but without all the boxing and everything. She's just very physical. Haley Cowan is um, lacking skill in a lot of areas. Um, and kind of just this amateur type of style. Jamie Lynn Horth on the opposite end is a regional talent who's had a ton of success and primarily finds the finish by, by throwing ground and pound, by attempting submissions. She definitely has the better Brazilian jiu-jitsu in this, in this matchup. The fact is that she's taking it on somewhat short notice, um, but I, I do like Jamie Lynn Horth uh, overall. I think that she's the better fighter than Haley Cowan. Cowan's the better athlete, but athletes don't win fights when they're up against a true fighter. And I do think that Jamie Lynn Horth is a fighter that's going to put Cowan in bad positions or reverse out of bad positions and then put the hurt on her. So uh, I'm going to be going with Jamie Lynn Horth here at 8,300. And, you know, the weight miss is, is music to my ears of why I don't want to back Haley Cowan to begin with. Um, 
So, yeah, give me Jamie Lynn Horth here at 8,300. Yeah, I'm with you there. Let's get into our straight-up fight picks here. Uh, the main event, uh, give me my guy Ricky Simone. Yeah, for, for non-DFS, I, I'm picking Ricky Simone. I, I can't jump off the bandwagon today. And, by the way, it's always hilarious when people call him Ricky Simon. I'm like, come on. He's been in the UFC this yeah. long. Got to know. Got to know. Got to know. Uh, co-main event, uh, I go Kyle. Yeah, I'm going Kyle as well. You know, I want to pick my guy, Cody. I just can't. Rodolfo Vieira. Yeah. Hadolfo sorry, Vieira. sorry, Cody. Sorry, Cody. Yeah. Cody checks out a lot of stuff I do. Sorry, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Cody. Uh, Juicy J and Padilla. This is one I keep going back and forth on. I think it's a tough fight. It's a tough debut, right? And I, you, know, I, you don't I feel, know how Arosa is going to come back from that KO. I, I feel like this fight's closer than the DK salaries in the KO. I think the FanDuel salaries are more of an indication of how closer of a fight this is. I'm going to go Julian Arosa, but I don't feel great about it. Okay. I'm going to go Padilla. I need an underdog, so I'm going Padilla. Uh, I will go Marcus Rogerio de Lima. Yeah, de Lima for me. Give me Josh Quinlan. Quinlan. Oh, God. I don't feel good about either one of these. Um, Jake Collier. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, Martin Boudet. You know what's crazy is for DFS, like, Boudet scored 91 against Barnett. Landed only 56 strikes, had no takedowns, but had seven minutes of leaning, leaning against mm-hmm. the cage. So, like, he still scored pretty well. So, I, I might get to a decent amount of him more than I thought. Next one is also another fight. I don't feel confident on either side of this equation. I'm going to go Charles Johnson, but I'm concerned about Cody Durden racking up two rounds and then um, you know, winning a 29-28 decision where Charles Johnson comes on in the third round. Yeah, agree with that. I'm going to go Charles Johnson to win a, a decision, but same concerns as you, damage versus control. Uh, I would go Stephanie Egger. I'm going to go Egger. I just don't know what to expect out of Alex Eva. I don't know what to expect out of Marcus McGee taking this fight on such short notice, so I will go Journey Newsom. Okay. I think that's the safer play. And on, on paper, you're getting a favorite at, you know, should we, with a full camp. So I'm going to yeah. go the opposite. I'm going to go with Marcus McGee, though. Uh, then I will go uh, Jamie Lynn to win in the first fight of the night. Yeah, I'm going to go Jamie Lynn. Um, prize picks. I've actually been playing over prize picks a lot over the past couple of days. Uh, I will say this. I. I I don't really want to touch the four and a half takedowns prop on Ricky Simone. I just, I if if I'm going to touch anything on Ricky Simone on prize picks, I'd probably go more 21 and a half fight time minutes because I think this thing is going 25 minutes. I would stick to that one. Um, Kyle Barallo, two takedowns. If I was going to play that, I'd, I would say more, but my fear is he only needs one or two before he gets a submission. He's so nasty, he doesn't need more than one. That's the yeah. problem. Um, I mean, Rodolfo Vera, his takedown's one and a half. He may only need I one. More than half. Yeah, but I, I think more than that, though, just because of Brunage's collegiate background. Yeah. He's going to get back up, you know? So I, I like that that play a lot more than the others I, you mentioned. I do. I will tell you this. I think if you're going to play the Ju- Julian Rosa takedown prop, you go more one and a half. It'd be very smart. It'd be very smart. He's done so in the past, and he's a good submission artist. He really is. And the last time he was facing a very dangerous guy, he did so, and that was Sean Woodson where he attempted six and landed three. So, like, you know, like he needs to do that to, to stay upright. 
Uh, a couple other ones that, that stick out to me. I like the under seven and a half fight time minutes on Josh Quinlan. Give me more 12 and a half fight time minutes on Martin Boudet. Uh, and then I would uh, I would play the under 16 and a half fantasy score on Haley Cohen. Yeah, I like that. Good job. So, uh, yeah, been over there, prize picks, uh, you know, you know, NBA's not been treating me too good the past couple of days. <laughs> it's not been treating me too good. I thought I, I thought I had the optimal lineup the other night. I was so close. Um, but yeah, I, I got some nice future <clears throat> bets. Um, who do you think, who do you think I'm projecting to, to win the, the NBA championship this year? Don't tell me you're going to say. The Lakers. Ooh. No, 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 no. Now I got a, I got a nice bet on the Nuggets. I really think that the Nuggets are going to do it, but clearly I don't like their matchup right now against the Suns coming up. Like that's going to be a tough, tough test. But I got them at plus eleven fifty to win, and Look, now it's already down to plus eight hundred. So. I'm telling you, you know, you know what, you know what, the one series I've not missed a game on yet, and it is just great basketball. Kings Warriors. You, you know, here on the East Coast, you got to stay up yep. till one thirty in the morning and watch that game. They're so damn fun. Yeah, it, it, it is a good matchup. It's fun. And I was surprised at how well Fox was playing with a broken finger. So um, it's crazy. Like, I avoided him for DFS that night, and I kind of pivoted other ways because I didn't want, you know, I was like, oh, he's he thinks he's good, but he's not going to shoot that well. He was shooting no problem at all. So Dude, I don't it's... know. Break some more fingers next time, I guess. Yeah, they, I don't know. Yeah, game, game six is tonight, 8 o'clock. You know what I'll be doing. Whenever I get out of this office today, that is what I will be doing. Uh, let's get into some questions. I want to go over to Scored first. That's the best way to get your questions in here. Best value plays on DK under 8K thoughts. Okay, so first off, you know, it's Jerry Newsom's not a value because his ownership is going to be through the roof. Um, underneath 8,000 besides that. I mean, I it's think still for, value, I, though. I think, but the problem is, is that ownership 60-ish percent or more? Yeah, but I think it's like necessary chalk. You know what I mean? Like I, I it's, it's still value because it's under – it's a broken price tag, whether it's Newsom slash McGee. Yeah. Like I don't care. I think that's – you know, I understand what you're saying though. It's going to – you're going to, you know, be holding hands with 100 other people, but it makes sense. The, the other two fires that stick out to me underneath 8,000 would be Fernando Padilla and Song Yudong. Bingo. Right there. I'm right there with you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Rank the 9K fighters and the fighters with the highest upside. So for ranking the 9K fighters, so we've got we've got four 9K fighters this week. Rodolfo, uh, Rodolfo or excuse me, three fighters. Rodolfo Vieira, Stephanie Edgar, and Kyle Burrell. Uh Kyle will be my number one. Two would be uh, would be Rodolfo. Three would be Edgar. I'm with you. I I, I have them ranked the same. The Difference in salary is kind of screwing up a lot of my construction. Like we got no nine, we got no eighty nine hundred, no nine thousand, no ninety two, no ninety three, but we have ninety five, ninety four, ninety one. So it's kind of really tricky roster construction. But I would agree with you. Bahalio is my number one. Number two is Vieira. Number two is Edgar, just because of the weight miss and the unknown commodity about her opponent. Uh, next up says uh, Waters being such a short notice and cutting weight two weeks in a row that will make Quinlan an overexposed play and is the main event stackable being another smaller fight card. Um, if I, I was thinking about that, I don't mind stacking the main event. Um, I, I think 
if your thought process is that, you know, Ricky Simone's going to kind of rack up some fantasy points in the first three rounds, maybe Song Yudong takes over in the fourth and fifth round, I don't I don't mind from that. Um, I mean, look, I, I think that the Quillen Waters fight, because of price range, especially on DraftKings, will be a fight that a lot of people kind of turn to because of the, you know, the, the finishing upside on that fight. Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I could stack it. Uh, I might stack it and just pray it goes 25 minutes because – you know, in the fourth round, uh, Song Yudong still scored 49. The issue is that was primarily on the feet, and he only scored 49. And you would like to think that if it goes that long, Ricky Simone's taking him down, which is resulting in less fantasy points for Song Yudong. So um, I would love a stack to work. If it goes 25 minutes, I'm expecting one of the best fights we've ever seen for the band and weight division. I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, this is not a great fight card. Overall, main event is a very solid fight. I mean, it's a very solid yeah. fight. Uh, Sam's over under number here is seven and a half. Sam, you do realize there's only 11 fights right now, right? Sam, I wish you were a real, real bookie because I'm taking your money, buddy. It's an under. Yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> right now we got 11 fights. If you told some, me we end up at nine, I would be shocked. Some days he's so sharp. And then other days it's like. I don't know. Silly Sam striking again. Yeah, he literally says over under seven and a half. Bet you guys are going to take that under. Uh, Sam, you yeah, tell I what, what, what is the limit at your book? And I am just rolling the brink, the brink struck up. Uh, too funny, brother. Yeah. Now, now watch. Now watch every fight's going to end via finish. Um, favorite <laughs> core plays. Uh, Kyle Brow is one. It would be a core play for me. Um. You're going to get to him a lot? I'm going to try. That's the thing. My 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 concern is I know I'm going to have to have either Newsom or McGee in a majority of those lineups and probably Padilla or Durden in those lineups as well. Yeah. Okay, so the issue for me is if you're completely 50-50 on a fight, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Newsom and McGee. Okay, you got 75 lineups with each. Say you're doing 150. And then you do the same exact thing, okay, for the Song Yudong, Ricky Simone. So now you're talking 37 lineups with each of those possible winners. So now you really only have 37 live lineups if, you know, let's say you, you got everything else correct. That's the one issue when you don't take a stand and you just take a neutral 50-50 approach. So. I really think that the way for me to get different is locking in Kyle Bahalio. I know he hasn't done it yet, 75, 80, and 77 points, but how the hell else am I going to separate myself? I mean, like, I need I need a big mm-hmm. score, and I do think that the pressure of Mihal Olashechuk is going to bring out the best of Kyle Bahalio, or he's going to get melted underneath the pressure, one thing or another. Uh, favorite, Your favorite top three parlay pieces, we, we know one of the parlay pieces, so we'll be there too. Um, Rodolfo Vieira. Who the hell do I pick for the next one? Who? I really want to say Delima, but I just can't. I have to make that rule and stick to it. I, I okay. You know what I'd probably say. I know. Help. I think. I think it's juiced like minus two hundred five. The under two and a half on Arosa and Padilla. The issue, though, is if Arosa goes out there 
he's known for winning decisions by being just a more high volume guy. I mean, I'm looking at it. You're looking at minus 160 as the under two and a half. Mm. Charles Johnson slash Josh Quinlan. Yeah, I might go Quinlan. I, I think I, I think I have to go Kyle, Hadolfo, and Quinlan. I don't hate it. It's super chalky. I don't like it either. Um, but that's if you had to, you know, tell me I must make a parlay. I guess that's what I would go with at this point. Uh, in terms of uh, leverage plays, and we're going to see how kind of our ownership goes here, um, Jerry Newsom obviously is going to have high ownership. I, I'm interested to see what Marcus McGee's ownership is coming in at. That could be a potential yeah. interesting uh, ownership play. If I was going to look at some other potential, um, you know, just kind of looking at what the, I'm seeing right now, Arosa is a kind of an interesting uh, leverage play just because he's not getting a ton of ownership. Yeah, I can't wait to see the update, uh, and I, I want to know, you know, where's everybody going? Yeah. Where's nobody going? You know, like I, I would love to see where nobody's going because at the moment, like it seems all about it, it's just weird. It, it's weird. I think we're going to see a lot of fluctuation uh, come tonight to, into tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things of you know trying to get different, and, and like we mentioned earlier in the show, the way they get different in GPPs is going to be getting away from McGee Newsom and getting away from the main event. If you can do that, I think that's going to allow you to get very much different. Uh, top dart punt play. Uh, the punt play for me would probably be... I don't want to go there. Um, mm. Guys, it, I mean... I, if Ole Shea's just going to pull it off, he knocks him out, but I just don't think he does it. Um, yeah. I don't really love Brunage at 7,100. I mean, it might be arena, but uh, I, I don't like her missing weight by four pounds. That, that scares me. There's just so many unknowns surrounding her. I'm going to say that the, the punt for me is going to be Marcus McGee catching Journey Newsom, who's too busy striking when he should be grappling. I'm um, going to be, regardless, it's probably going to be 30% at least on one side and probably 60% on the other. Uh, I'd probably say 10% of, of the field has neither. Um, and, you know, that's that's a way to get different, but I don't recommend it. In terms of a captain MVP champion plays, uh, I'll tell you this. So uh, Ricky Simone does stick out to me just because of fancy score upside if he's able to get the, the takedowns. Um, but I'm going to give you kind of an under-the-radar MVP Okay. And it's gonna it's gonna count on him going out there and ro- and probably getting a win in the first round. Marcus Rogero de Lima. I love I love de Lima, but do I? I yeah. like really want him to do well, and I think yeah. that the style I've seen he doesn't lose to these guys. He loses yeah. to people who sub him. I I think that he's gonna go out there and shut the lights out and, and, and pick up a win over Cortez Acosta, who has been knocked out and finished numerous times in his boxing career. So it's like in MMA, he's fine, but like he has tried to be that striker and struggled in the past and chop the legs. And when he's a sitting duck, just unload those hooks on him and knock him out. Yeah. I'm um, just kind of looking over uh, Kevin over and dra- over on the YouTube says if doing three entry max, should you just pick one side and do it all or doing all three of them. If so, McGee will be lower owned. So maybe him, um, in a three max, I would, this is what I would personally do. I would have two of the three lineups that have 
either both of them have Newsom or you do one and one. And the third one, you, you stay away from that fight to try to get different from the rest of the field. That's the only way in a three max, right? Like, you know, for most, you know, majority of it. So, you know, if you only put two out of your three with that fight, okay, 67%, you know, the field most likely is going to have 90% of that fight. Yeah. So you just getting to one of them in your three max is going to separate yourself. I don't like three max personally. I do 20 max or 150. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't see a, a problem with getting away from it, but it, it doesn't seem optimal to avoid it. Three max to me, it's more about what the prize pool is. But I'm, yeah, I'm primarily I'm, I'm primarily a 20 max and a cash games player. That's typically me. Uh, Kevin says, theoretically, two to three dogs have to win and outscore the winner of the Newsome fight in order for it to not be optimal. Would your best bets to top them be Durden, Padilla, and who else trying to fade it? Um, it have to be I'm, wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think and it kind of goes back to when we had that conversation of the fires underneath 8,000. I mean, Song Yidong, Fernando Padilla, Cody Durden. That would be, I mean, like, I, I, you, I mean, you know, I hate to roster first five of the night, and I feel like I've had the worst luck recently uh, rostering the first five of the night. But I'm kind of looking at, I might start a cash build of Jamie Lynn, Quinlan, Padilla. I don't hate it. And then if I throw Journey Newsome in that, then my last two, I can pick whoever the hell I want. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Jamie Lynn's in an interesting spot here at 8,300, kind of at that forgotten price tag, um, mainly from a submission upside or a TKO, uh, especially with Haley, Haley Cowan missing weight. You know that the longer this fight goes, the more drained she's going to be, especially when she's going to be uh, at a technical disadvantage against uh, Jamie Lynn Horth, who I think is a little bit meaner. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at this. And just to see exactly how much salary I would have left over. If you start a lineup with Jamie Newsom, Padilla, Quinlan, I got ninety-two fifty for the final two spots. Grab Kyle, and you're probably gonna get Juicy J, right? No, I already have Fernando Padilla. Oh yeah, uh, maybe. You'll so then you're at nine thousand. Man, you got You could go Rogério de Lima. If you, if you want to get to the main event, you get to either one of the main event guys. So, I mean, it, it does give you a, a little flexibility. I mean, like, look, in, in cash, I will not avoid Journey Newsome and, and Marcus McGee. I, I won't do it. it yeah. It's, a, you know, GP, but GPPs, it's a different, um, it's a different thought process. Um, you, know, you know, if in that same lineup you mentioned, if you didn't go Newsome and you went McGee, you save a hundred dollars. And then now that 9,000 turns into 9,100 and you could roster Rodolfo Vieira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if Edgar wins in the first round, will that pay off her salary? Uh, then Samuel says leverage, maybe. Um, you know, we'll see where that the the ownership comes in with her. Um, that's a great thought process, though, of thinking about it. And, and I always say this. When you look at those 9,000 options, who is that 9,000 option that, that is not getting ownership? Yeah, I mean, like, I can literally see Alex Siva just kind of bull rushing her, throwing tons of punches. Uh, Stephanie Edgar going to go through to her um, typical judo toss and then Alex Eva kind of countering it and crashing forward and just taking her down 
whether it's an accident or not. And then you have Edgar off of her back, and then she pulls off an armbar from guard. And now she gets the first round victory, doesn't get credit for the takedown, missed the, you know, the quick win bonus. So now she's probably getting what, ninety six points, ninety seven points. Yep. So I mean, that's kind of just thinking outside the box, but I can kind of see in a, a, a in a sloppy fight like that how Egger doesn't pay off that ninety four hundred price tag. Of course, we'll see how this all goes down. Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for our preview show for UFC Vegas 72. Uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. It uh, really does help. If you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that. We're here every week. Got to get with Pete to see what time we're recording uh, here next week because um, I'm back at I'm back on the road next weekend as uh, my niece graduates uh, uh, college next weekend, so I'm going up there on Friday. And, uh, yeah, Pete, I went to some college bars last Friday night and Saturday night. Felt really damn old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I would feel old. Too, I, so I, don't I even... also realized that um, these uh, younger kids, these younger dudes, love to wear some shorts that are like John Stockton uh, style. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. I mean, not my scene, brother. Not my scene. So I'm sure I would be like getting the, me the only the, the only thing that was different. Drinks were so much cheaper. Oh, yeah, dirt cheap. <laughs> yeah, they were dirt cheap, yeah. Yeah, but had a good time. But, uh, of course, uh, next week we got the pay-per-view, so we'll talk about that. And, uh, of course, be sure to join our Discord channel. Links are below. Also, be sure to hit that Fight HQ contest over there on DraftKings. It's always a great time over there. I, I've had I've had some bad – I've had a bad run in the Fight HQ contest. I, I got up to a hot start in the – Boy, I've gone down the crapper the past couple weeks. I haven't won a damn thing, so I, I don't want to hear anything. At least you've cashed. I haven't cashed anything. Exactly, uh, but we appreciate everyone tuning in. Anything you want to leave us with, Pete? No, at least, I mean, next week seems like it's a better card. Um, more notable names, still some volatile matchups, but, you know, looking forward to some of those fights, especially the main event and co-main event. And that is going to do it for this edition of Fight HQ. We'll be back next week to break down UFC 288. Of course, you can always check out the show on the podcasting platforms as well. That show will be up here later on today. So appreciate everyone tuning in for this edition of the Fight HQ preview.